I was a hell of a handicapper, I can tell you that. I had it down so good that I ran paradise on earth. Hello, happy full moon. Welcome to Curiosity Kill the Cat. I'm your host, Sarah, and today in this very special bonus episode, I'm going to be discussing Martin Scorsese's 1995 gangster classic Las Vegas film, Casino. It's starring Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Sharon Stone, just to name a few. And uh, between the trifecta of those three, the complicated triangle that they all um, become in this film, uh, they all play off each other beautifully. It's like Ron, Harry, and Hermione. It's it's like Las Vegas is Hogwarts. So yeah, I'm going to see how short I can keep this episode about a Scorsese film that is uh, just about three hours long. So wish me luck. You know, I'm beginning to get a hankering for a conspiracy episode. It's been a while. I know I've just been doing movie and TV so far this uh, this seasonal cycle of curiosity kill the cat. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think we're long overdue for a little conspiracy, some cover up, uh, layers and layers of of piling uh, mistruths on top of each other. So I think what would be good, which, mm, okay, I'm thinking something to do with the mafia, but not just like the typical gangster stuff. Um, and not that I would ever want to get into the Kennedys, but like, I think it would be interesting to get into the mafia ties with the Kennedy family and keep it kind of tight without getting into the whole like Camelot freaking, uh, lore that is that family but um me and my friend Ashley we've been talking about doing an Amy Winehouse episode and I love Amy Winehouse but that's just gonna be it's gonna be a lot of sad energy right there um but I was thinking maybe like go in a little bit different a direction maybe go in a little Jackie Kennedy um I've had her on the list for quite some time And, uh, I've just, uh, I've been seeing a lot of really interesting information about different celebrities, uh, throughout the years. And, um, let's see, how do we, how do I, how do I phrase this? Um, there's just, there's always interesting, um, things that come out about, you know, that whole Kennedy family. And I thought a Jackie Kennedy episode would be really cool to do. It'd be really, really awesome to like dive deep into her um so I'm thinking there might be some Jackie Kennedy like women history episode coming up but like tied in with some um tied in with some Kennedy mafia conspiracy cover-up stuff I think that would be really cool to do so if that sounds awesome just let me know um you can find me on the freaking uh you can find me on the twitter uh at Sarah Palpatine it's S-A-R-A Palpatine as in Chancellor Palpatine as in Supreme Ruler Palpatine okay Darth Sidious if you will anyways I'm getting off track here I'm already way off track here but um but yes, so that would be kind of a cool tie-in. Um, we've I've done Marilyn Monroe before and have gotten into like um, some of the mafia Frank Sinatra stuff with her and the Kennedys. So I'd like to bring it around back to Jackie. So anyways, um, in between doing 
five episodes on the Godfather saga so far with one or two more at least coming up here in the future once I get into Godfather part three um you know I don't want to I don't want to end up in any uh holes in the desert if you will but like I think it would be pretty fascinating to go into uh some of the history and lore and different connections and relationships that um different mafia families have had throughout the years with different powerful entities like governments and whatnot so anyways um this is all coming back around speaking of holes in the desert um this story in particular martin scorsese's uh 1995 casino here we have de niro playing sam rosting whose actual uh name in real life is uh frank rosenthal uh, Sports Illustrated called him the greatest living expert on sports gambling. So this guy was a total tool and asset to uh, any sort of group or entity that wanted to make money. It would be good to have have old Frank on your side. Okay. So um, uh, Nikki Joe Pesci's character, Nikki Santoro, is actually uh, his real name is Anthony the Ant. Uh, oh, Jesus here. God help me. <laughs> Spilatro. Okay. What a name. Okay. The ant. All right. So he was a little guy. Uh, and the picture, like the, the mugshot of him, like you could just totally see the energy that like fucking Pesci just like channeled throughout this film. So, um, I didn't, I didn't really do like any more research other than that. I just was like, all right, I got the names. I know it's based off of a true story. It was a book. And then, you know, along down that yellow brick road eventually uh uh you know you pray and you hope a a decent director gets a hold of the story and uh you got one of the best here um with one of the best like I said the the three (laughs) the three freaking top build members of this uh cast here are uh insane in terms of what they're filmography is what they bring um just like their energies in general like Sharon Stone Joe Pesci Robert De Niro who I've already talked about like so much in the Godfather episodes so anyways this is just more mafia shit right but this one specifically in particular is all about that little freaking GI stop a man named Mo Green uh, put in the middle of the desert on the way to California. Okay, this is about Las Vegas, the uh, late 60s, early 70s, uh, actually gets into the 80s and everything. Um, uh, One of the the head uh, mafia families from back in Chicago, I think in the movie, it's just, they just say back home some years ago (laughs) and so and it's literally it's narrated on the screen you can't even this movie is so perfectly like every now and then it's got a little like a wink or two like a little look at the camera or the narration goes from just being sam and fucking nikki then all of a sudden you get frank you know uh nikki's nikki's other guy freaking uh thrown in there it there's just all these beautiful little nuances that this film has that like um I think that people always compare Goodfellas and Casino together. Um, but it's that same, it just adds a little lightness without taking away from the heaviness. I, it transmutes it. I, 
is that the right word? I don't know. But there's just something, just these little winks, these little nods, these little kind of like taps on the shoulders just to let you know like, hey, we just like, we know you're watching a movie. Like, you know, just it's okay to breathe. You know, back home some years ago, it's just a, uh, it's just a chef's kiss kind of a moment. And again, to get into my parents here, this is one of the freaking rated R films that has like a preteen. I was like, can I please watch it? Can I please watch it? It was like Godfather, Pulp Fiction, and this one. And um, I think this is the one they let me watch first, either this one or Godfather. So um, I just, I like, I would like Google image, like the images of this movie, like of Ginger's costumes and everything. And um, I just was so fascinated by these just grand operatic tales of these just wise guys, you know? Um, and so what I, I think what I like about Casino is that you have Sam, who's an outsider, right? He's Jewish. He's not part of this, you know, uh, Italian kind of, is, are they Sicilian in here? I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to mix up the Italians with the Sicilians, but, um, you know, he's not totally in the bloodline with the fucking rest of the family, like the way, uh, the way, uh, Goodfellas sorts it, sort of teaches us, um, and, and their whole narration with, with, uh, Ray Liotta's character. Um, so he's the one, he's got all of the fucking skinny scoop tea kiki on all of the freaking sports guys. He's knows who's pregnant, who's on, uh, what do they say on blow? Who's, you know, hung over from the night before all of the little tidbits, all of, you know, all of the numbers, all of the statistics and the analytics of, of, uh, of, of gambling around sports. And, um, he's making these guys a shit ton of money, insert Joe Pesci, you know, to, uh, to, to, to watch over him, right? Got to make sure nobody fucks with him. Nobody messes with Ace, right? Nobody messes with Ace. And, uh, and, uh, the freaking scene back home some years ago when they're sitting at the bar Sam and uh Nikki are chit-chatting together and all of a sudden uh you know the this one big fucking jerk dude next to them like Sam goes to say oh hey did you drop your pen is this your pen and the guy just basically is such a dick what does he say like oh fuck you or something and then he says a really bad f word which we don't like and we don't say anymore um and tells Sam to shove the pen up his ass I think I believe that's what he says okay and uh Nikki does not take to that very kindly okay and uh the pen ends up going through the guy's neck uh jugular area several fucking times and uh you know you get this beautiful narration from De Niro um that's like you know while I was you know standing there wondering why the guy said what he did, Nikki just fucking, just fucking flipped out. And again, I don't want to get into Zodiac shit, but Ginger, Sharon Stone's character, refers to Sam as a triple Gemini, which means his big three must be Gemini, Gemini, Gemini. A Gemini sun, a Gemini rising, and a Gemini moon. Motherfucker, that is insane. Sam Rothstein's nuts. So that's why he knows everything. Because he, he sees... The both the two sides of everything, right? That's why his character's so fucking gnarly. Um, 
I would say that Nikki's probably kind of that. He's definitely a fire sign. I don't want to say he's an Aries because I'm an Aries. And if I say he's an Aries, then that means I'm like little Joe Pesci and I'm really short. You know what? I don't mind. I'll just throw me in the same boat as Joe Pesci. I'll take it. Fuck it. So anyways, he's definitely an Aries and he went psycho and he didn't say sorry to anybody. Well, you know what? He did say sorry to Ace um, and made sure Ace was okay. Um, So that's your just, there's your dynamic, right? So they're like, let's send him to Vegas, right? Let's have him run the casinos out there. Um, I think the scheme is called like the skim or it's like skimming the till. And so you've got, um, oh, one of the best parts, uh, I'm going to kind of just like do the highlights here. Uh, you get the scene right before he meets Ginger. It, it goes into meeting Ginger or him seeing her for the first time. Um, you've got the, uh, him running through the people who are in charge of the casino. You know, you've got the players and you've got the, uh, the dealers and then you've got the, the pit bosses watching the dealers and then the managers watching the pit bo- and so on and so on and so on this whole domino effect right and then you got me watching the managers watching the pit bosses and then you've got the fucking the eye in the sky who's watching us all and it's the fucking cameras right and um uh we see beautiful ginger okay um but the eyes in the skies also pick up um well, let's let's talk about let's talk about Don Rickles real quick. Don Rickles, aka Mr. Potato Head, uh, one of the greatest comedi- uh, comedians of all time. May he rest in beautiful peace and entertainment. Um, he is uh, Sam's. I think he's the general manager, or no, is that Sam's role? Whatever. He's the one right underneath Sam. Okay, and uh, they notice a freaking scheme going on. Uh, between these two dudes, like wired, they're like wiretapped and the guy keeps tapping his thigh. And anyways, um, it's a beautiful sequence because, uh, one of the security guys, uh, walks up with a freaking cattle prod and tases the bro. Um, but they do this beautiful distraction with like this happy birthday thing. And it's so great. And it's so old school. And I just, if they did this shit today, I wouldn't be surprised, but it would kind of amaze me. Um, so they take the freaking, uh, one dude in the back, the, the guy that looks like he's about to play like some Southern rock on the, on his way home. Um, they freaking grab the hammer, ask which fucking, what his good hand is, the, his gambling hand, whatever the hell it is. And, uh, fucking just smash it, just smash it, obliterate it. And, uh, they bring in the other guy and he's just like, he's like, holds up his broken hand and he's like, they broke my hand, man. And, uh, and they basically look at this freaking Dwight Yoakam wannabe and they're like, you know, leave the money and go or else we're going to fucking do the same to you, but worse. So it's great. They get thrown out and, uh, told to never leave now, never come back like Gollum and Schmeagle. So, um, Things are working out in their favor. They're not letting anybody take advantage of them because they're taking advantage of, of, I don't even know what are they taking advantage Who are they taking advantage of? Anyways, I don't even know who really even owns the casino. It's like a combination of like the Teamsters and then the, 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 the freaking 
Pat Green guy, who's the real estate dude. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot of fun connections and a little, you know, a lot of ups and downs and what have yous and ins and outs. And, you know, um, the rug, the rug really ends up, um, tying the room altogether. So the rug that ties this room together here with Nikki and Sam and the casino and everything else is we get the freaking, the, the eye in the sky on freaking Ginger, right? She's, uh, she's, she's with a, an older dude working her hustle. She's looking like a million bucks. Um, she's eight feet tall. She looks like she could murder you with her eyeballs. She's just that kind of a woman. Okay. And, uh, you see her like slip a chip or two in her purse and then she takes out her lipstick very, very just slyly, nonchalantly. And, uh, you know, the guy kind of like looks at her for a minute and she's just sort of like, whatever, just like puts her lips together as you do after you put on actual lipstick and not like a, like a lip stay. Um, so she's working it right. And in this actual scene, she was wearing a fucking 40 pound dress and you can tell like the way that the, the, gambling what are they even playing I don't know if they're playing are they playing roulette I think they're playing roulette um the table like hits her stomach at like a very funky spot so like when she bends over she's like almost curved over um which of course she looks beautiful doing it but between the dress and like a, a previous back injury that she had um and just doing that movement of shaking the dice and then probably throwing the chips up in the air when the when the scene's kind of coming to its like climactic end um it really really fucked up her back so it just i always like to be reminded of like the physicality that that people have to put in their roles no matter how oh it's just acting it looks like it's it's never that besides what you're doing on the set there's a lot of time where like you're just waiting offset to like do your part or whatever. It's a lot more than just like, oh, here I am looking gorgeous in this beaded dress and the, all this beautiful hair and stunning makeup and lighting. Um, it's hours in your own trailer. It's hours in the makeup trailer. It's pounds of extra hair clipped and metaled and either sewn into your your existing hair or clipped into it because um the freaking uh weave and freaking uh wig work in this movie is stellar her hair is perfect every time um any like fake pieces are tousled 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 perfectly um and her just whole sense of style um is is no accident either right like everything she wears when you're looking at this stunning creature you know has had um an infinite amount of thought put into it a whole freaking crew behind ginger's wardrobe just in particular i could not imagine what sam's wardrobe was like because de niro wears some wild shit in this movie but um but like, uh, it, you know, to bring up Michelle Pfeiffer again, you know, she just, she was literally vacuum sealed into the Catwoman suit. So like, um, 
again, I just, I always like to appreciate and hear stories about, you know, um, specifically what certain actresses have had to kind of go through in roles that um, maybe most wouldn't deem super physical, I guess. Um, You know, you could look at Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman and be like, okay, well, yeah, that had to be hard. That couldn't have been the easiest role to play. Um, She probably had to learn some things at the very least to do it. Um, But when you look at women in these more glamorous roles up against these kind of hardened male characters, um, I think we kind of forget that they they put in just as much freaking... um, uh, what's the word? Just as much time and energy, um, into it. So anyways, that's my little, uh, Sharon Stone, Sharon Stone speech. But, um, yeah, you could just tell that table was just like, not just like that bend. Like I'm 34 years old and I wonder how old she was in this movie. You know what? I wonder if I can look it up right now. I'm going to try to do that. Um, let's see. How old was Sharon Stone in Casino? Because I know, interesting fact, while I look this up, um, the guy uh, that uh, Pesci plays, um, what's his name? Anthony the Ant Spilatro. Um, he was 48, and they have him listed as missing. No, 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 no not missing, (laughs) an even more nefarious word, disappeared. It just said disappeared at 48 years old in like 1980 something. And then they found him a few days later. So it also says deceased, um, at 48, but, uh, yeah, like, (laughs) but he, they didn't, oh, they didn't do him in the desert. They show him in the cornfield with his brother, Dominic, And that's when Frank had told the guys back at home, like, shit's going down. You know, like, the little guy's sleeping with with the Jew's wife. I didn't say that. That's in the script. Um, And, uh, yeah, basically tells the guys back at home, yeah, Nikki ain't it anymore. Nikki's got to go. So, um, dude, yeah, that wasn't a cornfield. It wasn't a hole in the desert. What was I thinking? I was thinking he was buried in a hole in the desert. No, but no, this real guy. Yeah, in in Chicago, somewhere, somewhere in the cornfields in Illinois. And it said, trigger warning. I'm going to talk a little bit about this guy's kind of violent ending and the violent ending of Nikki and his brother here. Going to kind of skip ahead. Going to go a little bit forward here. Um, but it it was listed as a. Uh, um, blunt force trauma and asphyxiation so I think what we saw at the end of the movie with the baseball bats and they keep being buried buried while they were still breathing in their under underwear uh I think I think that that might have been pretty might have been as accurate as as one could get with a film dictating a real life uh, whack, if you will. So that's pretty intense and that's pretty fucked, but you know, again, I'm not, I'm not the heads of these houses. Okay. All right. This sounds like some Lannister shit to me, but I'm going to stay out of it. Okay. How old was Sharon Stone when she filmed Casino? Yeah, no, Joe Pesci in this role is one of my favorites. Um, I know a lot of people like him in, um, in, a. 
Goodfellas. But this is the one for me. He's a to- he's a total piece of shit by the end of this movie. She was 36 when she filmed this. Ginger McKenna. Wow. That was 26 years ago. She's 63 today. Oh, look at that. Look at that little yin and yang. 36 then, 63 now. She's been in 80 movies. 47 since Casino was released. Holy shit. This woman is like amazing. She, um, and she's an IQ of 154. I don't know what a normal IQ is, but that sounds very high. I know she's like, hasn't she been like a plane, like a helicopter crash and has like a freaking, she had like a brain aneurysm or something at one point. Yeah. Sharon Stone has been through it. So anyways, um, her back really, uh, got messed up after filming, um, after filming the scene at the roulette table with the older guy, she was hustling. And when she goes and she meets and sees old Sam, Ace Rosting for the first time. And unfortunately for Sam, he's love struck like a freaking, uh, oh, like when the freaking, <laughs> like when the brownies in Willow, uh, when the one gets hit with the dust and it falls in the beer and then he falls in love with the cat, that's basically he falls in love with Ginger, like that brownie fell in love with the cat. And, and, he, and there's this freaking gnarly, speech to go back to the end when everything's hitting the high climax when ginger when we go from this when we go from them meeting and smiling at each other and just being like oh you're cute oh you're cute uh to the end here she's like demanding nikki kill ace right and she's freaking out she's like well can't you just kill him and he's like kill him you know like that you know that's my fucking best friend from some years back, you know, from, from back home some, some years ago. Um, and she's like, well, you know, like, can you help me get my money? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, how the fuck am I supposed to help you get your money now? Um, and he says like, he's like, look what you did to this guy. And then he basically says like, like, oh fuck, what does it matter or something? And then she gets thrown out of the restaurant, literally onto the street. So that's pretty intense. And, um, wow. When, uh, when the scenes get jacked up, when the Mountain Dew is just flowing through everybody's veins, you were seeing top tier A plus cream of the crop acting that like you don't get every day. It's, it's it's rare and sometimes it takes a few of of those freaking bright sparks in the same room on the same set in order for it to even amplify further and to get into some of the Sharon De Niro scenes um uh we see them dating right and she's just this beautiful you know woman he has on his arm he knows who she is he knows what she does we get this this crazy montage of uh showing the behind the scenes of how she hustles how she keeps guys awake and drains them and 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 they gamble their money away and uh she always ends up going back to this freaking nasty pimp fucking ex-boyfriend groomer of hers from back in the day played by james wood uh james woods 
And um, his name is Lester. Of course it's fucking Lester. Because uh, the guy's just an absolute piece of shit. Okay? So, um, you know, he, she knows him. He knows her. And uh, like he says, he goes and he fucks it all up by asking her to marry him. And she's just like, no, why would you want to marry me? Like, I don't, you know, no, I don't think so. And he, like, his, like, cigarette ash falls on his clothes, on his, like, lapel, and he kind of dusts it off, and he's wounded. And my dad would always just, like, he would always laugh at this part. And he would be, like, just, he'd be, like, watch how, like, like, uh, like, upset he gets right here, but he doesn't say anything or whatever. Um, so, anyways, I'd always pay attention to these these little interesting reactions characters would have in uh in different movies and um this was this is definitely uh <laughs> if you know this part you know this reaction okay he's he's clearly he's wounded and his pride is, is stung a little bit and he kind of goes on like uh, about this whole well if we're not you know, you don't have to be in love with me, in love with me. It's about trust. It's about respect. You know, as long as there's trust and respect, you know, love can grow. And, and eventually maybe, huh, and he's just kind of spinning the wheels here. And then she's just like, you know, if we do this, I got to be able to get out whenever. And then, and then it's just like, at this point, it's like, what a headache. <laughs> like at this point, it's like, just pull the plug. Like, nah, maybe, maybe we're better off just like not not getting married legally at least um but no out of a lot of there's a lot of compromise a lot of negotiations she's got to have the baby first and anyways it's this whole fucking ordeal and um there's this great scene uh before they get married when um Nikki and his wife Jennifer come to town it's uh it's right before Nikki kind of uh bomb Sam with the, uh, hey, I'm going to move out here because nobody can watch what we're doing because they're all back at home and we'll be out here in the desert having fun and nobody's watching us and I'm going to come out here. Do I have your permission? Cool. Great. Awesome. Um, and Sam's just like, fuck, right? That's like the, that's like the first nail in the coffin. Okay. No, it's the second. The first nail was asking Ginger to marry him. Um, but anyways, she, you know, they're up in their like penthouse like apartment thing, whatever in the casino and, uh, Nikki and his wife come in and she is standing there with her long blonde hair, like to the side, slightly Veronica Lakeish. There's a little bit of Sharon Tate, uh, a little bit in the wardrobe, um, with, with Ginger. I, I caught that vibe a little bit. Um, so if you want to know more about the light of Sharon Tate, you can go back a few episodes and find out about it. Um, but anyways, yeah, I was catching, I was catching that vibe and, uh, uh, she's standing there and she has this like purple lace, like mock turtle, turtleneck crop top thing and a pair of high-waisted, like, uh, kind of tan, rusty color, uh, high-waisted pants, wide leg pants, beautiful. Okay. Just tailored like it was vacuum. Like the top looked like, looked like it was vacuum sealed onto her. Um, and just Nikki and his wife just look at her and they look at Ace and he's like, 
Jesus, Ace, what the fuck have you been up to out here, pretty much? Like, what the hell have you been doing? Like, what is this? Who is this? Uh, so it's just, it's great. And, um, what's interesting, um, is after they get married, um, there's a scene where Sam gets some award for the hotel or whatever. And again, she looks like she's vacuum sealed into this gold lace beaded something. Her hair is up in this tightly pulled back with a huge bun. Um, and it's when like the when the the one young guy at the casino comes up and it's like you're a very lucky man Mr. Rothstein you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen and then Sam is like the ball's on this kid I got him fired the next day like (laughs) he's so passive aggressive um uh yeah if there's anything we know and we learn about Sam in this movie is he is very passive aggressive and uh and uh fucking Ginger's not. She's very reactionary. She's definitely an air sign. I have to. I just feel like she's got to be a. I want to say she's a Scorpio. No, that's water. Anyways, I'm gonna stop. Um, so, you know, you're just getting all of this energy about about Ginger. And um, in in the scene where uh where the guy says that she's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen and they're taking pictures they show her working the room and talking to people and um he goes into um Sam's sort of voiceover here goes into like how people knew she was beautiful and they were intrigued by her but like they never really knew what uh moved her and I just thought that was a really interesting and like keen observation on people watching people, which that's like my favorite thing. I love what, like people watching people watching people. That's what like we go to Disneyland back in the day, just like find one of the little lounge areas like along Main Street, get a little snack, little corn dog, and you sit down and you just like people watch and then you watch like the other people watching the people, okay? So, um, Yeah, so he goes into, like, how he loved watching her work the room, and he liked watching the people react to her, but he could also see on the, below the surface that they couldn't really figure her out, and I just, yeah, I like that, and so to go to their wedding, they had the baby, uh, you know, everybody's celebrating, and then all of a sudden we see, you know, beautiful Ginger, sitting huddled uh by herself along a, a row of of payphones and she's talking to fucking nasty lester and he's just like oh my god you've secured the bag for us sweetheart like you're married to this guy we'll have money forever just like keep giving me money because for some reason she just keeps giving him money so anyway sam comes up behind her and she hangs up the phone she tries to like cover up you know like her tears and he's just like, you're never going to talk to that guy ever again. You don't need him. Daddy Sam is here now. Forget Lester. We're moving on. And she's just like, I've been with him since I was a kid. You don't understand. And it's like Martin Scorsese was like trying to tell us right there that like she was a fucking groomed kid on the fucking street, right? So like, Ginger is the way she is because she doesn't know any better. Even when she was given a chance to 
do better, I guess. I, sh- I can't even say, yeah, I can't even say that because Sam is running an illegal thing. So neither, they're both, yeah, I be, well, I'm getting tongue-tied here. From the beginning, Sam knew who she was and she knew who Sam was. So it gets a little bit, their relationship becomes completely unbalanced. It's already unbalanced because as much as a hustler as Ginger is and she can take care of herself, you know, Sam is in a position at that moment where he's, you know, he's the, the, the top dog. He's he's the number one guy here at the casino, the moneymaker, you know, um, as we go along and the more ginger I want to, and I'm doing the little quotey things with my fingers, perceives that her, like her world is more controlled and she can't do what she wants to do when she wants to do it. Um, she slowly, well, not slowly, she just comes apart, uh, a lot quicker than, um, every time I watch it, it happens a lot faster than like I remember. It's just, um, they were happy for a moment there. I think again, yes, before he proposed to her, um, because they kept it honest. And then when they both put aside their own truths to make the other person happy, um, that was, you know, another nail in the coffin. So anyways, uh, they move into this beautiful house in like the suburbs of Las Vegas and you get this like beautiful song in the background what a difference day makes and um 24 little hours it's a cute little 50s 60s song whatever it is um the soundtrack to this movie is fucking fire so they're walking through and he's just showing her like this is your home this is our house like these are your clothes like all of her stuff is in the closet and she's just like flabbergasted she's just like this is all my stuff. Like you have all my stuff. And she's like excited. It's not like she's like, Oh my God, my, you touched my stuff. Um, and he's got a couple for coats back there for her and some jewelry. And then, you know, they're lying on the bed and she's just like, she just looks like a little girl who just like is having the best tea party ever covered in her jewels and her freaking coat. And he's just like, we got to put this away. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, we got to lock this up at the fucking bank. Um, Because I don't want anybody coming here and stealing this shit. So it's pretty, um, it's pretty amazing for 1995 how easily this movie is able to transport you back to uh, the late 60s, early 70s. And then once we get into the 80s, fucking beautiful we get this freaking devo version of satisfaction by the rolling stones and it's one of my favorite songs of all time and it plays in this really climactic part where like everything's coming undone and i'm gonna have to take a little bit of a break before i can get to the climax of ginger and sam um because i'm gonna have to get into ginger and nikki here in a minute but um, just to talk about Nikki here for like a hot moment, uh, he is such a freaking whirlwind of a character. 
Um, he's so funny with like his son and like the baseball team stuff and like going to career day. It's just, uh, it just shows you that like how kind of like in the Godfather, like my boy, you know, it's like no matter what's going on, it's like you always treat like your kids like golden, you know, if they get out of line, you put them in, you know, you put them back in line, but like you, you just, you treat them like a, just like a prized possession, proud. And I just, there's something I just love about that. There's just this, this unconditional, unfiltered, no shame, just a kind of beautiful sort of parenting. (laughs) Um, that like, I don't know if it's, it's, if it's, if it's a part of Italian culture, I don't know that much about it, but like, um, I've just, I've seen this a lot throughout the years and it's just absolutely beautiful. And I think, uh, more people could take lessons like that of just like making your kids fucking feel like, like hyping them up, you know, I don't know. There's just, I don't know. There's just something about it. Um, so he's really cute with this kid, whatever. Um, but he starts doing these weird ass things. Like, well, once he's moved to Nevada, he like starts robbing, just like for kicks doing jobs that they don't even need to do but then he'd feel bad about like the people like looking at him in the pictures so he'd always turn the pictures around or put them fucking upside down like and how he had his uh he had his little uh safe in the back of his closet and um freaking how you know well Jennifer didn't care she was just watching you know she'd fall asleep on the couch half the time anyways um, which is just hilarious because one of my grandmas was a lady like that, that like always would fall asleep on the couch watching TV until the infomercials came on and she'd stay out there all night. Bless her. My dad would kind of do the same thing sometimes. Um, yeah, people, the TV people, not to get into poltergeist, but the people that fall asleep to TV at like a normal volume on like a, just a random channel are wild. There's just something about that. I have to have like the lighting right. I gotta have like a sound, a soft sound in the background and some like some kind of fake chirping or like, like massage music or something. Um, which this is making me wonder like, what the fuck does Sam Rothstein fall asleep to at night? He probably just falls asleep on his back and stares up at the ceiling and then he just eventually falls asleep for like four hours at the most. And then he wakes up like Martha Stewart. So, and then Ginger, Ginger doesn't have any sleeping patterns. I know that for sure. So anyways, um, before I get into the, uh, Ginger and Nikki thread morphing into each other and those two uh, dabbling in extramarital activities with each other and really anchoring in the demise of uh, this whole group and this whole time and this whole era at the Tangiers Casino. So, dear, sweet, fiery little Nikki, darling Nikki, um, he went and made one too many boo-boos at one too many different casinos and wouldn't you know it he went and got himself blacklisted 
from every casino in Las Vegas. Uh, that means you're not allowed to go to any of the casinos. You can't go to any of the restaurants in them. You can't gamble in any of them because you done fucked up. So he fucked up um, at the Tangiers. So we get the scene of him and Sam talking together. And he's just like, no, bro, you can't. You, he's like, oh, nobody takes it seriously. There's only like one other, like two other people on that list, and one of them's Al Capone, right? And like, isn't that pretty telling? Like, wouldn't you think if like Al Capone is on that fucking list, like maybe the list is serious? But nope, he's unbothered. So, anyways, uh, so I mean, like, then we eventually see him with the freaking the jewelry store outside of town and. He, him and Frank are trying to keep up with uh, with like the police equipment, spying on each other, scanners, bugging shit, can't talk without keeping your mouth covered and talking in code, can't talk on the phone, you know, unless you're speaking in some sort of like pig Latin freaking code language. So anyways, things have, um, Things have gone from, oh, we could do what we want because nobody's watching us out here to literally you can't do anything now because everybody's watching you. It has funny how it flip flops, right? And then and Ginger's just kind of along for this ride here, okay? Um, but there's one, uh, who do they put, whose guys? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a guy, well, let's just talk about the vice scene. There's a few things happen to where uh uh a guy pissed off Nikki enough to where they uh he sh- shot up some freaking place he wasn't supposed to and uh Nikki's trying to get information from him and you know the best way for him and the crew to do it right is to put this guy's head in a vice and again trigger warning violence um you know the guy's not talking and he's not talking and he's talking and turn by turn by turn tighter and tighter and tighter he's just not saying anything right like what a dumbass and uh finally the fucking eyeball goes pops pop goes the weasel a very mountain uh viper moment from game of thrones and uh and uh he finally gives up the name and it was over some you know like lowly dude charlie m i'll never forget the name it was charlie m he's like you fucking lost your eye you made me pop your eye out for fucking charlie m he gets so freaking mad and hysterical like 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 how dare you make me pop your eye out over this fucking piece of shit charlie m so it's just man it's just one of the it's one of those moments in uh in film history that I think will be talked about forever. It's just top 10, like what the fuck moments that have ever happened in a movie. So um, again, to go back to Ginger, she's just kind of slowly falling apart. Sam's trying to keep it together. He's got the gaming commission on his ass. He's got the, the guy coming in saying, why'd you fire my uncle, brother, cousin? Cause that's how we do stuff out here. You know, that was my sister wife's brother cousin and you can't fire him because he's connected. And then Sam's like, I just barely put on my pants. You're going to need to give me a few minutes, okay? 
Um, and so anyways, he's dealing with all sorts of shit, right? He's constantly changing his job title, but now they're breathing, breathing down his neck. They want him to get his license. He doesn't have it. Anyways, they're trying to kick him out of town. And at this point, I think he's banging one of the, the dancers on the, the, the freaking, you know, uh, show girls in his deal. He's got a TV show, a late night TV show. And, um, it's just, it's just a mess. And, um, somehow things, you know, somehow Palpatine returned. Um, but this time it was Lester, right? Lester keeps coming up. Okay. Uh, Ginger asks, asks Sam for a casual, subtle 25 grand, right? She's just like, I just need it. And he's like, what do you need it for? And she's like, can I just ask you for 25 grand? And he's like, no. And uh, he's like, it's not about the money. I'll get you the money, but just tell me what it's for. It's about respect. It's about being truthful, honesty. She's like, I just need it. I just need it. Take the baby. The baby's crying, even though the baby's doing nothing. Um, You know, so she's just being like a real bitch about it. And he's just like, just tell me what it's for. And she's like, fine, never mind. I won't ask you for anything ever again. (sighs) She's a cancer. She's got to be a cancer. Holy shit. Yeah, she's not a Scorpio. She's a cancer. So anyways, um, you know, she starts taking some of his pills, but this is after she freaking um, tries, she fucking gets the money out against his Sam's wishes and gives some to Lester. And in Sam's passive aggressive way, he's got Nikki and Nikki's guys there ready to kick his ass and beat him up. And Sam comes and sits at the table while she's sitting across from Lester. And it's a moment where like, if you're either one of these two fucking dumb fucks, this, your, your, your heart must be dropping through the bottom of your tummy right now because he Sam's not going to beat you up, but his presence is pretty uh pretty intimidating. So he just sits down, and these two fucking dumb fucking freaks, dude, they're like uh he, like Sam's like, oh, you want some more of our money? Here, take mine, take mine while you're at it. And he's like, uh, uh, I'm gonna just fucking go. And he goes, and then he gets his ass kicked in the car. But Sam makes ginger watch. Triple Gemini shit, you know? Triple Gemini Gemini shit. I know she was bad, but this is kind of like a, you know, anyways, whatever. This is just like drama, okay? Drama, okay? Um, Sam's making her watch. She's crying. And then, you know, next thing you know, she's in the bed. It's the middle of the day. The curtains are drawn. She's just like, you didn't have to hurt him. Um, And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And she's like, you didn't have to hurt him um and then he you know it's just they're done they're toast their relationship is fried it is so far gone you're not gonna bring it back right and so she just gets fucking worse because he's like here's a pager I want you to carry it around with you at all times and you know that she's lying about where she's going um and uh at one point she has enough she decides to just fucking fuck off to LA with their kid and with Lester and check into the freaking Beverly Hills Hotel under his name and like girl ginger Mm-mm. you should have known better okay and Lester he knows but like he's still so shitty that like 
you know, he's, he thinks he can weasel his way out of it, right? He thinks he could get more money out of Sam because they have the kid with them. And it's just, it's just nuts, right? And then eventually we get this scene of Sam and her at dinner. And he's asking her, you know, what'd you guys do? How much money did you spend? I know him. He's got cheap taste. So you could have only spent this much and that much on this or that. And she's just like, I just want to take my money. And I just want to go, Sam. I just want to go, Sam. And he's just like, you think I'd let you go anywhere with my kid? You? And they're just so evil to each other. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. When, like, when movies get this shit right, dude, it is, like, haunting so I don't even know at this point I think she's already fucking Nikki I can't be sure but um yeah she tries to be sober for a hot minute as she like has a cocktail in her hand and we get knights in white satin playing in the background and they're like in some trailer at a construction site she looks beautiful she's in this black leather freaking Olivia Newton John pants from Greece with this halter top um, with her hair is kind of short and just like barely curly, um, again, tousled perfectly. And, uh, you know, she asked Nikki to be her sponsor. He says he'll be her sponsor. Next thing you know, bada bing, bada boom, they're kissing and they're fucking and it's, everything gets even more complicated, right? So, and then you see the PI guys uh, or the FBI, I don't know who the hell it was, FBI, PIs, whoever, click, click, click taking pictures, taking names, and they're like, hey, is that Rothstein's wife? They're like, fuck. Like, they even know it's bad. Like, they even know it's bad. I'm winded. I'm winded. So, those two, not good, okay? Because if there's anything the fellas back at home don't like, it's when uh, these entanglements start to uh, develop. They're not into that kind of drama. And, um, yeah, eventually she comes clean to Sam and she tells him I can back off. You know, it was just the one time I'll tell him no, no, no. And he's like, this is the worst thing that could have happened. And again, she's just like, I'll I'll back him off. And (laughs) next thing you know, they're freaking they're fucking again in a hotel room and uh and you get that narration of just like yeah that was her way of backing him off all right and it's just like it's just it's just too much it's too much and then we just get like everything starts to climax right like Nikki's completely off the rails his whole crew is like fucking snorting coke up the ass and just killing people getting killed by the police for having sandwiches in their pockets instead of guns. And it's just, it's very intense. It's very intense. And we get, uh, is it Gimme Shelter that's playing? Oh, and we get Layla. So you get this beautiful Scorsese thing that he does. Sometimes he puts this, the, the live versions of these, these songs, these classic rock songs, Pink Floyd, they play, I think, Comfortably Numb is in The Departed. Um, and anyways, we get, I think, Give Me Shelter here. Um, during this, like, big, like, uh, montage, right? And so, where do we end up here? Oh, God. 
Well, okay. So, at some point, Ginger ties up their kid so she could go to dinner. Then Sam finds out because he comes home and he sees the kid tied up with their nylons. And then he fucking goes and finds her at the restaurant. And then that's when freaking she starts demanding Nikki to fucking kill him. And he's like, kill the guy that's my best friend, blah, blah, blah. Shoves her out the door. This big thing, right? And the next thing we know, fucking Sam and Nikki are like fucking trying to work together again in order to like not get whacked by the guys back at home, right? And um, it's just, it's too late, baby. It's just too late. And um, I'm trying to, I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to figure out, you know me and my sequencing. sequencing. Um, amidst all of this chaos, at one point we get Ginger crashing the Mercedes. She does this like a couple times, but like the first time, like coming in at night. And they, her and Sam start fighting and it gets worse and worse and worse. And eventually this scene, they must have had to do this very carefully, especially if Sharon Stone already had like back injury issues um, because this scene is so physical. Um, trigger warning for domestic violence. Um, he, they both just go so atomic in their explosive energies that like he's he's he i'm not making excuses for either one of them it's just the scene and it's just the characters his voice cracks and is heartbroken but angry and cutting at the same time and he's like like fucking love me you never loved me you, you know like oh my god it's so much this scene I'm literally getting chills just thinking about it, dude. It's so fucking fucked. And then, like, and she's just freaking out, dude. And he grabs her by her hair, and he starts dragging her and throwing her stuff at her. Like, like get the fuck. Like, you want to go? You fucking leave. And, like, um, then she goes out the door, and she's like, like, fuck you, Sam Rothstein. And um, later she comes back in, in the dress, in the coat. And just, like, lies next to him. And he's just like, you know, what was I going to do? She's the mother of my kid. And it's like, and then that was it. And then it's just, you're just, what a ride. Like, what a fucking free fall that freaking, I don't even know how, I can't even remember how long that scene is. I watch this movie all the time. Um... But it's just, it's so intense. And the last standoff when she leaves and and she's trying to get the money and the police, you know, let her come in and she finds the key to the safe and uh, that you see Don Rickles uh, next door with the gun and it's just, or hanging out with Sam with the gun. It's just, it's like the whole stakeout, right? It's just, Martin Scorsese, he knows how to do these long climactic ending scenes where just you don't even have time to catch your breath you're just in the moment with these characters right beside them like in it with them and uh by the time everything comes down to its uh descent um 
Nikki's too far gone to be brought back. Sam is just hoping he's not going to get whacked any minute here. And again, if you've ever seen this for the first time, the movie opens literally within the first few seconds of him turning on his car and like seemingly getting blown up, which it happened, but he doesn't die. Um, So the beginning of this movie, for the first time, you sort of think you're watching this through like a dead man's perspective. Like, you know, he's already been whacked. We've seen it. You know, this is everything that happens before. And um, we go back to that day and uh, he he made it out. He made it out of the hit alive. And um, he he knows he knows right off the bat by how this car bomb was put together and how shoddy and shittily shitty the job was done. Um, he knows it was Nikki and his crew. He knows it. And uh, that that was that's the final final straw for Nikki. He's, he's done now. Screwing the bot, screwing Sam's wife was one thing, putting a hit out on him against, uh, against the top guy's wishes is not allowed. And so trigger warning again, he ends up in a hole with his brother naked, except for his whitey tidies got his body bashed in by a bat by a group of dudes that he'd been riding along with for the last several years Frankie for a long freaking time and when Frankie comes in with his narration it is just the best it puts a smile on my face every freaking time any scene that he's in I just love it and like he like trying to lie to the freaking uh the head of the family the the one part when they first ask him about it about Nikki's crew and Ginger it's just, it's beautiful. It's a great performance. And um, this Game of Thrones fucking turn here at the end where he's the one, he's looking at Nikki. Before they even start beating Nikki, they do his brother first. Which, again, the family stuff. Okay, the family. He's like, not my little brother. Like, <laughs> And... They go after Dominic first, and then they start going after Nikki, and he's just looking at him, and he's just like, fuck you, Frankie, you piece of shit, Frankie, um, and and Frankie's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I am a piece of shit, fuck you, fuck me, you know, the whole fucking Scorsese, you know, dialogue deal, and um, he puts his little buddy in the ground while they're still breathing, okay? Well, they're still breathing, okay? And um and that's it for him. And uh Sam makes it through his through his deal. He makes it through uh everybody getting their uh sentences, if you will. Um and uh it ends kind of lonely but sort of beautifully with him living in La Jolla, I believe, which is here in San Diego where I'm at. Um just fucking being a being a a sports sports gambler dude just doing what he did before knowing all his info knowing the tea doing his doing his statistics and uh has a nice pair of, nice pair of glasses by the end of the film so um it's uh it this movie it's very special to me i know it's very dear to a lot of people um i think i I think now I want to run a poll on uh, on Twitter and 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 just be like, 
Goodfellas or Casino? Timeless question. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, but for me, I saw this one first growing up. Um, I think it was it was Sharon Stone on the cover um, that sealed the deal. And just like the Las Vegas aspect of it. Um, but I did, I watched Goodfellas right afterwards. And just, I love it almost as much. But this one just, it's Vegas. It's just, it's, it's old school Vegas, you know? And after just watching, um, uh, Godfather and Godfather part two and, um, getting into that mafia stuff, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting the way things were able to run for how long they were able to run for. And it just makes me wonder, um, what, what that might, what's that, what that has evolved to, um, in the present modern day. Um, I don't know much about like what, if there's any families around anymore, what kind of connections or other associate associations they have with other groups, uh, or whatnot. But, um, it'd be, that'd be interesting to find out. But, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to kind of keeping this theme going here a little bit, diving into some of the history with the, uh, the connections with the, with the Kennedys and with them and the whole, uh, oh God. Yeah, that's a lot, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be different. Um, so yeah, so some, some more mafia stuff. I got Godfather three, um, down the road. Um, and definitely, yeah, Jackie Kennedy. I want to know more about her family. I want to know about her mom. I want to know about her dad. Um, and, uh, and get into her after JFK died. Um, I think she passed away before her son did. Thank God, hopefully. Um, but, um, yeah, she's a fascinating woman and, uh, that's a lot. She ended up, oh my God, she was married to like the richest dude in the world. Jackie O, Onassis. Dude, there's so much to get into. Oh my God. You guys, what is going on with this world? Um, so anyways, that's the mafia stuff. Okay. Woohoo. Yay. Godfather three coming up soon. Um, but next week I'm going to be recording with, um, with Jimmy from the fantasy network on YouTube. Um, we're going to be getting into Stephen King horse stuff, talk a little pet cemetery, um, and just kind of like, uh, I kind of want to ask him, you know, how he got into Stephen King, what his favorite books are of his and, uh, go into some of the, uh, fantasy aspects of um Stephen King's writing like the Dark Tower gunslinger stuff um because I would really like to get into those books soon um my list is very very long um so why not add more to it so that's exciting and um yeah I'm gonna have Kelsey up on here soon um little sister definitely is uh is ready to come back we were about to do a uh we were going to do a Curse of the Black Pearl episode here a few nights ago, but um, we didn't make it through the movie. We we fell asleep. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. We'll see if we can, if we can get the, the Black Pearl up in, up in sailing again. Um, but yeah, that'll be fun. And um, I've been talking about doing a Tombstone Western Young Gun deal for 
quite some time and uh, in a couple weeks I'll be recording with Sir Matt from Hyperspace and Bend the Knee and uh, talking Tombstone. So that's what's coming up. That's what's coming up. More Mafia, Jackie Kennedy, Godfather 3, Tombstone, Stephen King. And eventually I'd like to talk about the Dark the Dark Disciple, Star Wars, Asajj Ventress, uh, Quinlan Voss book. I loved it. It's the only Star Wars book I've read so far. I've tried to get through The Light of the Jedi, and I don't know what's wrong with me. I just, like, there's a shit ton of books I haven't been able to get all the way through. And I'm sorry, and I apologize, but Dark Disciple. So, Star Wars people, fear not. There will be uh, more of that popping up down the road as well. So, thank you for making it through this long-ass bonus episode of Curiosity Killed the Cat. This was Casino, a beautiful masterpiece of a uh tale of a man who was just um yeah what was what was sam rothstiel's sam's deal at the end of the day i think he's just a numbers guy you know i think uh i think i think it was best that that he didn't have a casino to run and just just was able to live in peace and uh make money know everything about all the guys in the sports you know, in the sports and, um, and do, do math problems and solve an analytical things and graphic charts. So yeah, maybe that's all he wanted. I think he wanted, I, he just wanted Ginger to love him, but that's just not how it works. I don't know what Ginger wanted. I think she got too. <clears throat> Yeah, she didn't, yeah, I forgot to say, Ginger, um, yeah, Ginger, Ginger died. She died in the hotel hallway of an overdose, so, sorry, Ginger, you deserved better. You deserved so much better. And Sharon Stone, beautiful job. You did a great job playing her. She's a complicated character. Lover, hater, whatever, she's Ginger. So, good night, guys. Enjoy the full moon. Do with it what you want. Charge your crystals. Don't charge your crystals. Make moon water. Don't make make moon water. It's it's an eclipse moon. It's in Sagittarius. Enjoy it. Feel it. Try not to let the crazies get to you. And have a great weekend. You like your money a lot. Yes, Wrong girl. You'll be set up for the rest of your life. You don't know me. What do you know me to three months? They had it all. They ran the show. And it was paradise.